as we watch as they glimpse a piece apart of news footage, many of the stories being local for you and I. The reality is that even as a dad, not just Pastor Micah, just as Dad Micah, that it can be very overwhelming. You can watch these things and hear these things and it can stir up a lot of emotions. Life, life can bring brokenness and life can bring bad news. Life can be full of fears, full of frustrations. In a general sense, life can be full of distractions and decisions. I realize even today there's things that are vying for your time. There's things that are vying for your money. There's things that are trying to get your focus or your attention. When you hear about whether it's opioids or suicide or depression or broken relationships or division, when you hear about all of these things, when you look at issues of racism, when the list goes on, but when you see all these things, and especially as we watch footage of them, the reality is that we can change the channel, or we could ask God to help us to change the world. We could see and hear and observe and just want to turn it off or take your face or your attention and turn away. Or you could say, God, what part could I play? What could I do to make a difference? The Bible says in this world or in this life, we'll have tribulation. The Bible says on the outside, evil seducers can wax worse and worse. The Bible could reference the fact that sin abounds. But beyond that, it reminds us that grace does much more abound. When we look at our world as we know it, you and I can point out the problems or we can ask God to help us to be part of someone's spiritual solution or salvation. We'll often reference three areas of our lives. Our time, which arguably is the most priceless commodity you have, which is most likely why the Bible would tell us, redeem the time. You have time. You have talent. That's your gifting. That is what you could bring to the table. What you could offer, whether it's a church or community. Church, your, your, your treasure, you have time. You have, you have your talent. You have treasure, which is your finances, your resources, your monies. Time, talent, treasure. You look at all of those things in your life and it could be summed up with one question that all of us need to answer today and it's this, am I living my life for the Lord? Am I living my life for the Lord with my time? Am I living my life for the Lord? With my talent, my giftings, am I living my life for the Lord? With my treasure, my resources, you can't have a vision without having provision. When it comes to that, am I living my life for the Lord? Where is God at in your life? Where is God at in your life? 
Billy Graham posed this question. He said, someday your life will be over no matter how much attention you give to your health. Will you look back with regret because you nourished your body but starved your soul? When we look at legacy today and we discuss how how do we end up in such brokenness? How do we end up surrounded by these struggles, surrounded by these sins? How can this happen in our lives? How does this take place? How does the enemy, because the Bible says we don't wrestle flesh and blood, we always want to point at someone, that, that person, that's, that's my enemy, Micah, but the Bible says we don't wrestle flesh and blood. That there is spiritual wickedness. How, how does the enemy succeed in causing someone to starve their soul? How does the enemy separate us from God? How does that happen? How, how does life Busyness, schedules, sports, stresses. How does life pull people away from their faith? Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, the first book in the Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible. We have the first 39 books. It's called the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. You have 27 books. It would be the New Testament or the New Covenant. And you look at the Holy Bible, you go back to the very first book, the book of Genesis. It's going to tell us about creation. It's going to tell us about the beginning of time as we know it. It's going to tell us the details of what Romans would reference when Romans says, for as by one man's disobedience, disobedience, sin entered into the world. You back up to Genesis, it's going to give us the details of those decisions. In verse number 1 of chapter 3, when it says, now the serpent, now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animal which Adonai, God, had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, I want you to notice that today, did God really say, you are not to eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say, did God really mean this first separation i want to talk to you about as we reference the fall as we reference separation how does the enemy pull us apart from god's presence this first separation is what i would call a sovereign separation a sovereign separation that the enemy would love for you and i to turn on god the enemy would love for you and I to second guess God. Did God really mean? Did God really mean that He wanted us to gather together in settings, spiritual settings as a church? Did He really mean that? Did He really mean did he really mean that we needed to forgive our debtors for him to forgive our debts? Did he really mean that marriage was 
a man and a woman? Did he really mean that life begins in the womb? Did he really mean that while we are in the belly of that mother that we are being knit and formed? Did God really mean that? When you look at sovereign separation, it can happen in so many ways. I've listened to people as they have said, Pastor Micah, if there was a God, why September 11th? If there was a God, why? How come? You see, this sovereign separation is not, it's not a new attack. It's not a new issue. A sovereign separation has been happening since the beginning of time. Where the enemy wants to create in your mind a question, a concern, a frustration, an aggravation at God. They say, one recent study, that less than 20% of Christians believe that the Bible, the Bible, less than 20%, not a people, Less than 20% of Christians believe that the Bible should be our moral compass. I heard, I heard the joke about two friends, two buddies who are talking. One man tells his friend, he said, the doctor told me to cut down on chocolate and coffee. And the friend said, well, what did you do? He said, I found a new doctor. How many chocolate eaters in the room today? How many people are thankful for coffee? <laughs> I found a new doctor. Now I know God, I know His Word, our message today is not about chocolate and coffee, but how many times does God's Word challenge us on something or convict us on something? And instead of it searching our hearts, and instead of you and I staying in the struggle, instead of us wrestling with God's Word, we're almost no different than the guy who says, I want to find a new doctor. Let me find another pastor or leader. Let, let me find someone else's opinion. Let, let me talk to a sovereign separation which leads us to the second separation is what I would call a scriptural separation. A scriptural separation. When 80% of people will say, I don't believe it's the moral compass for my life. I don't believe God has an issue with the proud look or discord amongst other people. The Bible says they're abominations, but I, I really don't, I don't think that's a big deal. When God says in the kingdom of God, it's not Jew or Greek, bond or free, but all of a sudden you say, but, but in 2020, God just don't understand it. He, he gets racism. He understands hatred in 2020. This, 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 book is, this book is outdated, Micah. Scriptural separation. To where all of a sudden we feel like our culture, the time frame we live in, the era we're in, that somehow that circumvents, somehow that gets around the Scriptures' 
the commands, the encouragement of God. Now we would say the Bible's boring or Scripture's outdated. What I just want to remind you today that the enemy would love to get me away from God's Word. The enemy knows the power of God's Word. This book is spirit and life. The Word of God is quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. This book is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Heaven and earth could pass away, but the words of God will not pass away. This word is a lamp and a light to our pathway. But the enemy would love to get you and I away from God's word. The enemy wants to separate society from Scripture. Wants to keep society over here. Monday to Saturday. Educational systems. Society. Community. Cities. Let, 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 let's let Monday to Saturday figure it itself out. And Sunday for an hour, Micah, you can read from this boring, outdated book to a few people that straggle in. I want to remind you today, this book was never intended to be for 60 minutes or 70 minutes a week. It was never intended to be one day a week. This book was designed for every moment of every day for you and I to not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need this book in our homes. We need this book in our society. We need this book in our church. We need the Word of God in our lives. We gave you today something that, I, something that I believe could help you. Simply is entitled SOAP, which simply explains here, you take a scripture, you observe what it says, you then apply it to your life. How could I apply this scripture I'm reading to my life? And then finally, P, you pray about this scripture. I want to challenge you. To start, like today, there's 1,440 minutes a day, 1,440. I'm asking you to give God some of those minutes. In the midst of everything going on, sports and TV and, yeah, but I get to watch and I get to catch up and who's dating who and who loves who and who's debating who and who's arguing and who's right and who's wrong. I'm asking you in the midst of all of it. To take some time out of every day and give it to God's Word. You would be amazed at how God's Word can speak to your life. Everyone say scriptural separation. When we look at this separation from God, in our final few minutes together today, Paul writes a letter to the Corinth church. And it's intriguing to me because the author, the writer of this letter, also tells us in another letter to Timothy, a, a young man that he's teaching, he tells Timothy, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And so he encourages him, don't, don't live a frightened life, don't live an afraid life. But in this letter written in AD 56 to the church in Corinth, he actually uses the words, 
frightened and afraid. When he says, but I am frightened, fearing, not, not society, not statistics, not studies. He said, my fear is that some of you will be led away from your pure and simple devotion to our Lord just as Eve was deceived by Satan in the Garden of Eden. He said, but I fear, not a different attack, not a different scheme, not a different approach. He said, but I fear just how he done it with his subtlety. One translation uses the word cunning. He said, I fear that it's going to happen to you just as it happened to her. Did God really? Did God really say? Did God really mean? He said, I fear that that could happen to you. So let me ask you today. Is Satan, the devil, your real adversary? Is Satan causing you to second guess? Second guess your faith? Second guess eternity? Second guess the Word of God? Second guess the Spirit of God? Second guess forgiveness? Is Satan causing you to second guess? Ask yourself in this holy moment, what are the things that take me away from Jesus? Who, who are the people that pull me away from his purpose? The writer told the church in Galatia, you were doing well, you were running well. Who? He uses who, means a person. Who is the person that hindered you to get off track? A fair question for all of us. Am I as close to Christ? Micah, are you as close to Christ? As you listen today, are you as close to Christ as you would like to be? The third separation, we have sovereign separation, scriptural separation. This third separation is what I would call sinful separation. I wanted, I wanted to call it shameful separation. I wrestled back and forth because they're so closely connected the sinful separation often is so knit, so tied to shameful separation. When, when you have sin that's going on in your life, we're all born in sin. But then we also have just a sidetracking sin. The Bible would say in Hebrews, the sin or the weight which does so easily beset you. It means it gets you off track. When you have a sinful separation, it can bring on shame. And you start feeling like, I'm such a failure. I never dreamed I would end up like this. How did this happen? Have you ever felt that way before? I have. We're in your life, decisions and choices where you're like, I, I don't know, I know better than this. Why is this happening right now? This sinful separation. It could be that God slips down your priority list. The Bible says when you know to do good and don't do it. When you look at Isaiah 59.2, it says, but your iniquities have, here's the word, separated. Everyone say separated. 
but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. James reminds us that when you and I have ongoing sin that's not stopped, when you have ongoing sin in your life, that will lead to death. Ephesians tells us that when we sin, when we have this lack of a relationship with God, we're actually afar off. My daughter, who is 11, she this week was reading her Bible and she comes in, she's always full of questions, and she said, Dad, I'm reading about Adam and Eve. If, if they did this, they were supposed to die, but they didn't die. They didn't die. They kept, they kept going. They kept living. Now, I had to remind my 11-year-old this week that you don't just die physically. You can die spiritually. The Bible talks about being dead in trespasses and sins. That there are people that go on living, paying bills, drive a vehicle, have a roof over their head, but spiritually, they're dead. How often in our lives we could have this sinful or this shameful separation. As we close today's message, my final two separations I want to draw from the book of Jude, chapter number 1, it gives a summation or a summary of history. It talks about fallen angels, fallen cities, fallen societies. But in verse number 7, it says this, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, notice that. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities. This is the danger of living life on the fringe. You always hear people talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and rarely will they ever talk about the surrounding cities. But you want to be careful about just being in the wrong place, just living on the edge. Letting yourself just sort of fringe outside looking in. The Bible says that these people gave themselves to immorality and went after different flesh. They serve as an example by suffering the punishment of eternal fire. It goes on in Jude to talk about slander, greed, rebellion, rejection of authority, complainers, lust, arrogance, flattery. And verse 19 says, These be they who, here's the word again, separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. The fourth separation, so we have sovereign separation, scriptural separation, sinful separation, the fourth separation is what I would call selfish separation. They separate themselves. They get ticked off, turned off, mad, aggravated, frustrated. How easy that can happen. Like, I don't like how they parent. I don't like how they looked at me. I don't like everything about their voting record. I don't like the color of their skin. I don't like how, well, how long is that list that can cause all of us to say, I'm better off to be alone. When I look down my row, 
When I look at my neighbor, when I see someone else, Pastor Micah, I don't like what they're doing, and so I'm going to separate. One of the saddest separations in the Bible is a younger man that separates from an older man because there was division or disagreement with the people they were hanging out with. The Bible would call them herdsmen or, or people that was in their groups and they started at each other. They weren't getting along. And so they come together and the solution is we need to separate. The Bible says in Genesis 13, this is one of the saddest separations I believe in Scripture. Genesis 13 verse 11, so Lot, this is the younger guy, so Lot chose the whole Jordan Valley for himself, we're talking about selfish separation, for himself. As he started toward the east, he and friend of God, that's what he's called, father of faith, that's what he's called. This man that had angelic visitation, who had a miracle in his old age with giving birth to a son who would change history as we know it. Lot, the younger, separates, separates, separates. I want you to hear it today. Separates from Abram. Not knowing that the separation would one day cause his wife to become a pillar of salt and his kids to be jacked up. I feel the Holy Spirit of God challenging someone, even as I'm saying it. Don't get pulled into selfish separation. Don't let all of the things... There, there is so many reasons why you can get upset or offended or mad or aggravated. I get it. But don't let your heart lean into a selfish separation that says I'm better off without Abraham in your own way. The anointing, the presence of God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God. Don't let anyone or anything cause you to be pulled away from God's presence. It can, can happen just with age. For them it was younger and older. We don't need, Pastor Micah, a bunch of kids running around and teenagers and millennials. You know how millennials are. Or it could be the other way. Pastor Micah, we don't need a bunch of people that's like all grumpy and... Or, or, or let's, let's separate. Let's separate the black, the white, the rich, the poor. The... It's selfish separation. I don't need church. I'm better off alone. It is selfish separation. And the enemy would love, hear my heart today, the enemy would love to isolate you. As we close today, my final separation is just what was found in that verse where it said, they're sensual, so they separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. It's what I would call a spiritual separation a spiritual separation so we have a sovereign separation we have a scriptural separation a sinful separation sometimes a selfish separation but then you could have this separation where according to scripture you could actually quench the spirit in your life i don't need the holy spirit micah 
I don't need the emotionalism of it. I don't need the infilling of it. I don't need the working of it. I don't need walking in the Spirit. Not going to get pulled into the working, the manifesting, the fruit, the gift. Micah, I don't, I don't want any of that. Jude warns. We can get off track in life when we begin to distance ourselves from the Holy Spirit. Why would the enemy want Micah to get away from the Holy Spirit? Why would the enemy want Micah not to be full of the Holy Spirit? Does the enemy know that if the Spirit of God is in my life, it's going to convict me, not condemn me, convict me in a good way? Does the enemy know that if the Spirit of God, if, if I'm in a holy moment in God's Word and His presence and the Spirit of God goes to work and starts saying, Micah, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have went there. You shouldn't have done that. Does the enemy know if I get around the Spirit of God to change me? Does he know that about you? Is there a reason why? He has fought so hard to keep you away from God's presence? Is there a reason why He has worked and worked and worked overtime to keep you away from the Holy Spirit of God? Does the enemy know that God's Spirit could change, improve? It's a spiritual separation. Ronald Reagan said this, Our nation will prosper or decline in direct proportion to our selection of leaders who are guided by the Holy Spirit. If we fail to select godly leaders, our destiny will surely be as that of the Roman Empire. Warren Wearsby said, It is futile for us to serve God without the power of the Holy Spirit. Talent, training, and experience cannot take the place of the power of the Spirit. A.W. Tozer said, I don't want the world to define God for me. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal God to me. Leonard Ravenhill said, the church that is man-managed instead of God-governed is doomed to failure. A ministry that is college-trained but not spirit-filled works no miracles. It is not by might nor yet by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In Revelation, all seven churches, they are reminded, if you would hear what the Spirit says to the church, the enemy knows, the enemy is aware, there's a reason he wants to dry up the Spirit of God in your life. There's a reason He wants to quench the Spirit of God in your life. I don't know what separation you may struggle with today. The enemy will use all of them. He wants to keep you far. He wants to keep you distant. I heard the story about the married couple 
And when they were dating, they always held hands. They were always seemed like connected. Every time you've seen them, you, you'd see them together. Some people actually called them inseparable. One of the things in particular was they, they had this truck that had a bench seat. It wasn't the bucket seats. It was just like the one wide seat, this bench seat. Every time you would see them, the husband's driving the truck, and she was as close to him as she could get. She was scooted all the way over, and they're sitting so close driving in the truck. They get married, and one day, after years of marriage, they're driving down the road in what is now an old truck. She's staring out the passenger window, reminiscing being reminded of the good old days of dating and romance and how they used to hold hands. As she is reminiscing, she poses the question to her husband. She said, why, why don't we sit close anymore? Why don't we hold hands like we used to? The husband, as he's driving down the road, says back to his wife, I haven't moved. My message today is not about a married couple in a pickup truck. My message is about God and you and I. Can I remind you today, God hasn't moved. I know we may have scooted over. We may have got busy. We may have allowed selfish separation or shameful separation. But the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, He hasn't moved. Still the same. Still waiting. And as we pray, and we're hearing that Satan wants us to be separated and people in places pull us away from God. The constant. You know the constant in your life? You know what's never changed? God's love. God's love. Romans chapter 8 says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present or the future, powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to, here's the word, will be able to separate us from the love of God. While all these things can pull you away. God is the one that's trying to gather you close today. You're not in the room by chance or coincidence. You're not watching today by chance or coincidence. God is trying to say, I'm still here. I haven't moved. His grace and His mercy and His love is trying to gather you today, saying, I, I didn't create you to be way out there. I, I didn't make you to live distant. Why don't you come in close today? I don't know what your separation is. Maybe your separation is busyness. You say, Pastor Mike, I work long hours. I'm up early, up working two, three jobs, parenting, sports, schedules. Maybe your separation is busyness. or Maybe it's tough times. Tough times hit, and some people pull back. Maybe your separation is selfish. You don't want to admit it. I don't like to admit it. But you know. 
The reason for my separation, I got too selfish. For others, maybe it is sin. You're willing to admit today it's the affair, it's the abortion, it's the addiction, it's your bad attitude. Pastor Micah, I could go back and put my finger when it all started happening. They say, God is so far away from me. When I think about it, Micah, I feel like he's so far away. Can I tell you today, he's not as far away as what you might think. I don't know the trouble you're in. I don't know your past. But I know one thing right now in this moment, he's as close as the mention of his name. Jesus. Here's the good news. Because we could talk about the bad news. The opioids and suicide, the sin and shame. We could talk about all of that. There's plenty of bad news. You watch the news for a few minutes and you can begin to feel like, man. But here's the good news. The good news is that you don't have to stay separated. That's the good news. As we get ready to pray today, I'm asking you to make a move. I'm asking you to make a move right now. Make a move towards God. If you have a sovereign separation, make a move towards God. If you have a scriptural separation, I'm asking you to make a move towards His Word this week. If you have allowed the Spirit of God to be dried up in your life, make a move. Make a move towards His presence right now. If you feel like shame and condemnation has been getting the best of you, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Make a move towards His grace and mercy today, like right now. You say, Micah, how do I do that? How does that happen? Here's what the Bible says. Draw nigh to God. And He will, not maybe or might, He will draw nigh to you. If you're apart, make a move. He's waiting. He said, you make a move, I'll make a move. I feel His love right now. I feel like it's our Heavenly Father with open arms saying, come home, come back. Like in the room and online, I'd like to pray with you right now. If we could, just with eyes closed, if you're able to join us in this moment, this is a holy moment. Here I am. Here I am. I surrender all of it today. Whatever's been causing me to separate from God, I surrender all of it to you right now, Jesus. If you know that God's Word is speaking to you right now and you could identify with one or more of the separations and you want to tell God today, you're not telling Pastor Micah, you're telling God, I'm coming back, I want to be right. I want to be close. So I want you to slip up a hand if that's you and you would say, Pastor Micah, it's me. I'm, I'm listening and I want to tell God today. Thank you. Thank you, over. Thank you, sir. Thank you, right back here. Thank you. Hands are still going up all over the room. Back here. Thank you. And over here. Thank you. Thank you, sir. 
Thank you. Thank you. All the way in the back here, thank you. Thank you. Thank you over here, ma'am. Thank you right here. Just raise your hand here. Thank you. Come on, I want to be on track with God. Whether it's for the first time or you feel like it's the hundredth time that you're like, here I am again, but I want to stay close to you. Revelation talks about leaving your first love. You don't want to do this so long that you get away from what you know. You know it was right. You want to live that life, but you've allowed yourself to get away. God, I pray over every person in this room and online, whether for the first time, that someone is saying, God, save me. God, forgive me. I turn from my sin. Whether or not it's someone who's back again, that's saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I got busy. I'm sorry my schedule. I'm sorry that I didn't keep you, number one, seeking first the kingdom. I'm sorry. God, whether it's that first prayer, whether it's someone back again, I believe you are hearing their hearts cry right now. You are hearing their prayer. Your love hasn't moved. I believe you're welcoming them back to that relationship with you even right now. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All over the room, can we stand? Can we just make this song our prayer today? Would you let it come out of your mouth? Would you tell them? I need you, Jesus, more than anything else. Would you make it your prayer to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I've made it something it shouldn't have been. I'm sorry if I've slipped. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. Not just saying another song. Tell him today, I open up my heart. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we sing it again? I'm sorry. Can we sing it? I'm sorry. Tell them today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry. When I just sang another song. So take me back to where we started. I open up my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Do something special right now, Jesus. Do something special right now, Jesus. I'm sorry. I forgot. Thank you for this holy moment right now, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. 
We love you, Jesus. Would you tell him today how much you love him? Come on, tell him, I love you, Jesus. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. Let him hear your voice more than anything. I just want you. I just want you, Jesus. Just want you, Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else.